This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 23, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The price of Obama-style health care reform has yet to be paid, both politically and with real dollars. So what are the costs and how can taxpayers avoid them? Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute, described on Capitol Hill yesterday what may happen in the next four years before many of those provisions kick in. I wanted to start by congratulating uh, those to whom this, uh, this day means so much. Uh, I think this debate has been marked by considerable rancor on both sides. And those of us who are disappointed by the outcome, I think, need to take a deep breath and reach out to our opponents, congratulate them. And uh, re- each side needs to, remind, uh, needs to remember that its opponents are good people who come to this debate with good intentions. Now, of course, we who oppose this legislation believe that the bad news uh, Uh, far outweighs the good. But we should be clear-eyed about both the good news and the bad news. The good news is the Obama health plan would provide medical care to many Americans who would otherwise be unable to purchase it. It would do that. The bad news, well, the bad part of the bad news is that the Obama health plan would inhibit our ability to meet the basic human needs of an even greater number of Americans. It would deny needed medical care to millions even as it causes health care costs to rise. It would sap individual initiative, destroy jobs, trap the poor in poverty and dependence, block innovation, and politicize matters that should not be politicized. And on the whole, I think when you look at the good and bad, uh, it will deprive Americans of their freedom and leave our nation both sicker and poorer. Now, the good part of the bad news is that the worst elements of the Obama health plan did not take effect for almost four years. Now, that leaves time to educate the public about those harmful elements and hopefully time to repeal them. So I want to discuss what I think are the worst elements of this law and how we might keep the worst elements from seeing the light of day. The worst elements are three. One is the individual mandate, which would force nearly all Americans to obtain health insurance. Two, the price controls that are part of uh, the the law that would that were, the Congress would impose impose on private health insurance, and three, the one trillion dollars or more in taxpayer subsidies for health insurance, including the expansion of the Medicaid program. Now, the individual mandate. Why do I say that that's dangerous? I submit that it's dangerous because it's an unconstitutional threat to our freedom because it would impose a 1.5 trillion dollar unfunded mandate on the private sector because uh, it would increase health insurance costs as it has in Massachusetts and because it gives government to the power to control all aspects of our health care sector. What supporters usually refer to as a ban on uh, discrimination against people with pre-existing conditions is in fact uh, a price control scheme that this law would impose on health insurance markets. Health insurance companies would have to charge everyone of a given age the same premium say $10,000, whether they cost $5,000 or $25,000 to insure. That, that is a price control scheme, and it's dangerous because it will destroy innovation, eliminate comprehensive health insurance plans, according to research by uh, advisors to President Obama, and encourage insurance companies to deny care to the sick, to avoid those $25,000 patients, to shortchange them so that they will leave their health plans and bring down the bottom line of another insurer. And finally, the trillion dollars in government subsidies. That's dangerous not just because of the tax burden that uh, those subsidies would impose, but also because the way those subsidies are are structured, they have the potential to trap millions of Americans in poverty and dependence on government. So these are 
uh, I submit the dangerous, most dangerous elements of the Obama plan, not the only dangerous elements, but the most dangerous elements, and they are the provisions that would effectively socialize medicine in the United States, even if we continue to call ours a private health care sector. Fortunately, it will be another four years before these elements really take effect. Now, I submit that those who oppose this approach to health care reform, libertarians, conservatives, Republicans, anyone who uh, advocates limited government, should not spend a, an ounce of energy trying to repeal other elements of the Obama health plan. For example, the cuts in Medicare spending. A lot of Republicans made a big deal about this. This is one of the, their main objections to the legislation. But really, Medicare it has a, an unfunded liability around $80 trillion. If we are not going to restrain Medicare spending, then we are going to have to increase taxes. The Congressional Budget Office estimates we would have to double income tax rates by mid-century in order to pay for that and other uh, promises that the federal government has made. Our response to pleas from lobbyists and seniors uh, who want to reinstate those cuts must be what they uh, always should be. To answer access problems, uh, the answer to access problems in Medicare is not for Congress to spend more, but for Congress to reform the Medicare program. And when the, I would also suggest that when the indoor tanning industry, the pharmaceutical lobby, medical de device manufacturers, health insurers, and so forth, complain about the taxes the Obama, in the Obama plan that would uh, uh, be rolled out over the next several years, we should, of course, work alongside them to repeal those taxes, but only within the context of efforts to repeal the spending. Unless you reduce government spending, you're not really reducing taxes. If you pay for government spending with deficits, all you're doing is kicking those tax, taxes down the road. Now, there are uh, a number of things that I think this, this is going to be a very daunting challenge if we're going to try to repeal the Obama health plan. But I think there are a number of things that are working in our favor. Uh, repealing the Obama health plan is going to require years of focused, dedicated effort. It will certainly be an uphill climb. But there are dynamics that will work in our favor, things that we can do to improve the odds of repeal and things that will happen between now and uh, 2014 when those three elements will take effect that will help us make the case for repeal. One of those things is, uh, one of those dynamics is that really the Obama health plan is like a house of cards. If you pull away either the individual mandate or the price controls or the trillion dollars in subsidies, the, the other two elements of that plan collapse. So let's talk about the individual mandate and how we might uh, address that. You may already be reading in the papers that there are going to be constitutional challenges to the individual mandate. I uh, have, have written uh, with one of our constitutional scholars that uh, the individual Congress is the Constitution, or I should say the states through the Constitution, do not delegate to Congress the power to require American citizens to purchase a private product. If Congress has the power to uh, force us to purchase health insurance, it has the power to force us to to purchase anything, spinach or Ferraris or whatever it comes up with. Um, there will be constitutional challenges to this law. There are, uh, there are laws on the books in Virginia. I think Idaho and Utah have passed a law requiring their attorneys general to challenge this law on constitutional grounds. The state of Arizona will be voting on a constitutional amendment to its state constitution in November that would uh, block the operation of any uh, fe federal health insurance mandate within Arizona. Obviously, these are not settled constitutional issues. They will have to be litigated. But any successful uh, uh, legal challenge to the individual mandate brings down the whole house of cards. 
There are other things that members of Congress can do. For example, one of the ways that this legislation was able to uh, obtain 219 votes in the House and 60 votes in the Senate was the authors of this legislation very carefully hid its full cost. In 1993 and 1994, President Clinton advanced a very similar uh, package of, of, of health care changes that would have required, it included an individual mandate and an employer mandate requiring individuals and employers to purchase health insurance. In 90, 1994, the Congressional Budget Office included those, the cost of those private sector mandates in its official cost estimate of the Clinton Health Plan. That helped to kill the Clinton Health Plan, and so the authors of the Obama Health Plan were very careful. They very systematically gamed the CBO's rules to prevent those costs from appearing in the, in the uh, CBO's official cost estimates of the Obama Health Plan. In the Clinton Health Plan, those private sector mandates accounted for about 60% of the total costs of the bill. So if the subsidies in, uh, if the on-budget cost of the Obama health plan is about $1 trillion, that suggests that the total cost of the Obama health plan over the first 10 years would be $2.5 trillion, and that by hiding uh, the cost of the private sector mandates, they've effectively hidden $1.5 trillion of the cost of the Obama health plan. Just because the CBO hasn't scored those hidden taxes to date doesn't mean they cannot score them in the future, sometime between now and 2014. A change to the Unfunded uh, Mandates Reform Act, that's the one that requires the CBO to report whether the unfunded state or private sector mandates in a uh, piece of federal legislation exceed a certain threshold. That law can be changed to require the CBO to estimate the actual cost rather than just report whether it exceeds a very minimal threshold. Uh, the, it was done for the Clinton Health Plan, it can be done for the Obama Health Plan, and that will help to make the case against the individual mandate when we finally tell the American people just how costly a tax this is. Also, uh, we can remind Americans uh, that the individual mandate will cause their health insurance premiums to rise. This year, several mandated be uh, benefits will, uh, will kick in under the Obama health plan. Americans, many Americans will be forced to purchase more coverage in the form of unlimited lifetime benefits, a high, higher annual benefits limits, coverage for preventive care, and coverage for dependents <coughs> up to age 26. Those cannot help but have an impact on health insurance premiums and reminding the American public that that is this, the impact that the individual mandate will have on their premiums as well will help to educate uh, uh, the public about the importance of repeal. There are also legislative steps, and these are more, uh, more uh, substantial than changing the Unfunded Mandates Reform Act, legislative steps that Congress can take to uh, help undermine public support for the individual mandate. I should say undermine. The public already does not support an individual mandate, but this will help uh, make the case against it even further. For example, Congress can make individuals feel the cost of the individual mandate directly by letting them control, by letting workers control, the money that employers currently can uh, use to purchase their health benefits. Right now, the average family policy that's uh, prov uh, provided by an employer uh, has an average, what they call, employer contribution of about $10,000. Economists will tell you that that $10,000 that employers spend on their workers' health insurance does not come out of profits, it comes out of the workers' wages. In effect, that's income that the worker has earned but the worker does not get to control. There are tax reforms that, can, uh, that exist because there is a tax preference for employer-sponsored health insurance. There are tax reforms that will give that $10,000 give control over that $10,000 to the workers and then let them purchase insurance uh, from their employer just as they did before 
or from another source. But if individuals control that $10,000, if they are the ones writing the checks to their insurance companies, and then they see their health insurance premiums go up as a result of the individual mandate, that will help build political support for uh, blocking the, the individual mandate from taking effect. Um, also, there's another, uh, and, this is, and this is actually a bread and butter uh, conservative Republican health care reform. Uh, tax credits would achieve this purpose, though I don't think it, they would do so very well. I think there's a better approach that, that would give workers instant control over that $10,000. I call it large health savings accounts. I would be happy to give it a snappier name, but uh, those, those are, that's an idea that Republicans already endorse and that can help undermine uh, support for an individual mandate. Michael Cannon is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute and co-author of the book Healthy Competition. You can get your copy at Cato.org.